Welcome to the Wilson and Lailing podcast. Today, Dr. Wilson will be sharing the Word of God. Let's all get ready to receive. Hi, friends. Welcome again to my leadership podcast. You know, if we are to build great ministries, great churches, do great things for God, then we need great convictions. And, but how do we have the right convictions? So today, I will address this whole area of a leader's convictions. It's going to be a two-part podcast. And so this first part, I'm going to talk about the types of convictions. A leader without conviction is like a well without water. Such people cannot truly lead because they do not have an anchor for what they believe in. In God's kingdom, God is seeking for leaders of deep conviction in order that they may lead God's people in God's ways. Unless they have such deep convictions, they are not going to last the distance, nor will they inspire their followers to go the distance. So if we try to build the church with leaders who lack the depth of conviction, the church will lack conviction to fuel the highest passions to build the kingdom of God His way. So when we examine the churches that make great impacts, we discover that it is usually led by leaders of great convictions. And so if we are to build such great churches, if we are to build a great movement, we need to have great convictions. Little convictions is not going to cut it. My challenge to you as a leader is to develop deep biblical convictions. So it is so crucial as leaders to understand the range of convictions that we may have. What are some of these characteristics? What can we do about it? So come with me as I share some of my thoughts on some of this variety of convictions. Now the Bible in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 to 23, Jesus taught us this parable of the sower. And in verse 18, it says like this, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed uh, sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky place is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only for a short time. So when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. And the one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth chokes it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. And he produces a crop yielding a hundred, a sixty, thirty times what was sown. Now many people apply this parable only for salvation. But if you think about it, think with me. Fundamentally, Jesus' focus was upon our heart response to God's truth. It really is about convictions. So I want to take us along and help us understand 
and, and look at three of these soul types as we look into what it means for convictions. The first one is this. The first one we need to understand is about shallow convictions. You see, it is about the seed on rocky ground, as we saw in verse 20 to 21. So, who are these? Who are these with shallow convictions? Well, let me suggest to you two main categories. The first one is this, those on borrowed convictions. These are the second-hand convictions. Convictions gained from others around us. Convictions that we did not work through ourselves, but we relied upon others. It's a process of osmosis. The biggest issue is this, because when we fail to recognize that our convictions are borrowed, so when there's no supporting structure, we collapse. Sadly, I have seen many leaders. Once they're no longer in a church where they have the appropriate leadership support structure or pastoral structure, they fall apart. Once they are no longer in a leadership role, they no longer share the convictions that they used to talk about. The second category are those with what I would call a rootless conviction. Such convictions have no lasting roots. See, unlike those with the borrowed convictions, their convictions was not dependent upon the convictions of those around them. They had started to develop their own convictions. They got excited, they got stirred by ideas and passions that they encountered. But those conversion, uh, convictions have not been sustained by the right values and the right perspectives. Let me try to illustrate this. In Sydney in 2006, they were building a road tunnel and it was going under a, a range of residential areas. And while it was under construction, a sinkhole formed. This, this is where the, the ground just caved in. And parts of an apartment block, it was, there were 26 units in it was directly over this sinkhole. And so this apartment began to collapse into that hole. The, the, you see, the, what was happening is that the rock between the top of the tunnel and where the building was, it just wasn't strong enough. It, it had some inherent geological weaknesses in it. It did not have the strength. And so as a result, this huge problem occurred. When we look at the story of King Saul, he is a man who had rootless convictions. When the crunch came, he became jelly. He could not stand up to the Philistines. He could not stand up to Goliath. So his son, Jonathan, and even David had to come to his rescue because he did not have the sort of convictions to trust in God as his deliverer. Now, what could cause such shallowness in various leaders' life. Well, one of the first thing is the shallowness of heart. You see, when a person's heart is not in the right place to seek the deeper things of God, when there is a hardness that perhaps we are not aware of, how do we know that there is a hardness in there? Well, you could ask yourself, has God got to work hard to get you to get convictions to develop? Does God have to keep getting at your case, knock you hard over the head even, 
to get you to say, oh, I maybe I better develop some deep convictions. Is it a bit difficult like this? How many times do you reject or ignore what God is trying to say to you? Perhaps that might be a reflection of a shallowness in your heart. Another aspect that could cause it is a shallowness in understanding. You see, a person is shallow, uh, who is shallow in their understanding will therefore become shallow in their convictions. You see, they, they lack the necessary insights, they lack the necessary revelation, they lack a solid framework uh, in appreciating the things of God. And this leads to a shallowness of perspective and consequently a lack of convictions. For example, when people are asked, why should we serve God? Well, their answers are, serve God because uh, the Bible says so, because the, my church pastor says so. A superficial approach, rather than a more thoughtful, say, well, we should serve God because really our service is a worship unto God. We, it helps us to focus upon God and even give Him glory. And besides, serving God, it really humbles us, it helps to mature us, and it even better attunes us to God Himself. Such an answer shows they've been thinking, they've been thoughtful about why they do what they do. So leaders with shallow convictions, they will falter, they will fall in those areas because there are no real roots. They don't have permanent roots. They may anchor them in into those areas. Part of that problem is they don't realize the degree of their own shallowness. Let me give you some quick solutions, some simple solutions. Well, firstly, we need to recognize. We need to recognize the potential problem of shallowness in our thinking or in our hearts. We need to recognize that that could be a problem. Secondly, challenge your shallowness. Force yourself to sit down with pen and paper. Write down. Think about those areas that, that you, you are becoming aware you have some shallow uh, convictions. And challenge yourself to develop those convictions more deeply. Write down why you should do so. Think it through. Thirdly, allow your convictions to be tested, to be challenged, so that it will help you to be aware of any lack and hopefully motivate you to begin to work to deepen your convictions in that area. Now, let me talk about the second key type of conviction, and that is the weak convictions, the one where the seeds fell amongst the weeds that Jesus taught us in the parable in verse 22. So, these are the convictions that became choked. So, who are those with that kind of weak convictions? Well, there are people with convenient convictions. And so they follow the crowd since it is convenient. But once it is inconvenient, they weaken quickly. So they become unproductive because they are unable to rise above the obstacles that come along their way. The Bible tells us the example, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. It says, For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Damascus, and so forth. So the issue is Demas. Demas 
He sought comfort. He sought convenience. Loving the world was his problem. Uh, career, fame, security, and so forth can really become more attractive than the mission given by God. That inconvenience can sometimes trouble us so much when our con convictions are weak. Think about Aaron, Aaron the high priest. Uh, his convictions to follow God was based on convenience. But when he was not, when Moses was not there, he compromised to the Israelite pressure. He lacked the necessary backbone of convictions. The Bible records for us in Exodus chapter 32, verse 2 to 4. It said here, Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earring from that your wives, sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol, cast into the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, Then uh, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So, so what was happening? Well, he compromised. You see, it's always more convenient to compromise under pressure because you want to be with the rest of the crowd. It's always easier to jump into the more attractive option. It is going for a short-term gain, but then you're going to face long-term problems. So think about this. You know, when we truly follow Jesus, what did he say? He said that we may not have a place to lay our heads, as Jesus put it so well. A greater conviction is going to be needed than a weak one. So the question is, will you have the same convictions when it is inconvenient? Even when you face opposition, when you lose benefits, when we decided to plant the, our church in Brisbane, it, it was at a tremendous cost, a cost to my career, my ambition, my comfort, my security. Uh, but yet, I never wavered from my convictions because convenience, popularity, they were never my consideration. It was not the thing that I was going for. Pleasing God, obeying God was my top priority. That helped me have the strong convictions. What else? can be the reason for weak convictions. When you have a double-minded conviction. The Bible says in James chapter 1, uh, verse 6 to 7, it says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, <laughs> blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. So here we have someone who flip-flops who keeps changing their minds, someone who cannot stand up to pressure. You blow this way and he's pushed that way, easily crumbling under pressure, someone who is easily diverted by other attractive inclinations. So, for example, we have Judas. Judas was double-minded in his convictions. You see, his underlying problem was a self-centeredness and greed. He could not maintain his convictions, his loyalty to Jesus, because he was more concerned about himself, his wants. So such a person cannot stay their course because they keep 
wavering. Leaders with convenience of double-minded convictions cannot be trusted to be peerless in God's house because they will collapse under pressure. So what are some possible solutions? Well, firstly for ourselves, could we start by pulling out the weeds from our hearts? Discern our ungodly motivations and desires and do something about it. Secondly, work out what should be your key values and, and learn to stick by your values and your decisions. Now, I have had to sort out many of my values, my convictions ahead of time. I found this to be really helpful for myself. In fact, at times I even po uh, consider possible scenarios. Think through what could be happening and if that situation happens to me, where will I stand? What will be my convictions? And so this has helped me because I've really determined to stick to principles. I've really determined to stick to biblical values rather than just some pragmatic, convenient type of solutions. That has helped me. I hope that it will help you. Now let me talk about the third and the most ideal soil that we're looking for. The one where we have the solid convictions where the seed is in the good soil. And we saw that in verse 23 of Jesus' parable. And when we have such convictions, it will lead to fruitfulness in those areas of conviction. Why? Because those who have this, they will invest themselves into it. They will persevere to see the fruits develop. Such leaders, in fact, often will inspire others and give them an assurance in their hearts, a certainty, because these leaders, they have such deep certainty about what they believe. So who are those that tend to have solid convictions? Well, firstly, it's those with thoughtful convictions. And what it means is this, they, they give careful thought about those areas of concern to them. They develop the necessary insights understanding that they may grasp the implications involved, then they decide to choose that route. Typically, these have very solid convictions because they've adequately weighed up. They weighed up the principles, the factors, the possible outcomes, as well as the costs involved. When you look at the Bible, think about this. Think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was such a man. He pondered over carefully the need to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to rebuild the uh, city, to rebuild even the faith of the people. And he made the choice to go back, to return, to do this thing despite the obstacles that he knew he would surely face. He never wavered from it despite all the challenges that he was facing. And I'm, I'm in many ways, you know, I'm kind of similar sort of person. I'm the type of person that I think ahead. I consider the possibilities. I consider the risks. I consider the options, the potential scenarios, and, and prayerfully make a significant decision in those areas. And that has helped me all these years to really develop deep convictions in those areas that, of decision and choices that I've made. It's helped me very much. The second type of conviction that helps as well are those who are willing to make the costly uh, convictions. You see, solid convictions must be undergirded by an 
awareness of the cost and the willingness to pay the price. And many of those who are like this, they develop convictions which they are willing to die for. You know, in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33, uh, it was recorded for us that large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and uh, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. Paul, also in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, said this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And so we can see each time this challenge about being willing to pay the cost. When I was about 23 years old, God challenged me. God challenged me and asked me this question, am I willing to die for Him? Paul, that was a tough, tough question. But it went deep into my heart and challenged me. And, and within a couple of years, I made my decision. I said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to give my whole life for you. I'm willing to die for you. And so that really helped me develop deeper convictions because I was willing to pay the price of whatever biblical convictions that I had to develop over these many years. So the question for you is this, what is the price? What is the price that you are willing to pay to keep your convictions? God is challenging us. Are we willing to die for Him, for His kingdom? If we are not willing, then maybe we're not yet truly worthy to be called a disciple. Are we willing to give up all our comfort, our dream, our securities, our rights, even our very life? Can we be that people of solid convictions? Let me give you some quick tips on how you can grow in this area. Well, firstly, make sure your convictions are biblical convictions. Don't just have convictions. Make sure it's biblical. Because we don't want to just have any kind of convictions because it could draw us away from the right kind of convictions. Secondly, when we read God's Word, when you do your devotions, do we ask God, what sort of convictions, what sort of deep convictions should we be developing? Well, think about those other biblical principles that, that link together with, with uh, that area of conviction. Think about what is related to it because it helps increase your understanding, increase your breadth, increase your depth because when you have breadth and depth, you have much more to anchor your convictions in. Try that out and I'm sure it will help you develop deeper convictions. So let me just conclude. God is seeking for leaders with deeper convictions. Will we be that good soil that allows godly and biblical convictions to really grow solidly? Because when we are so, then God can do great things in and through our lives. 
then God can begin to build His church upon our shoulders. God is looking for leaders of conviction, of solid conviction. May God bless you. We trust you've been blessed by the word today. Do visit www.wilsonlyling.com for more messages and teachings. For the latest news and updates, follow Facebook and Instagram, wilson.lyling.com.